on the Wine Roads, a wine road trip that takes you to the four corners of the world to discover the most beautiful wine estates. Second stop, France, Bordeaux, episode one. This time, the wine route takes me to France, to Bordeaux to be precise. This region concentrates on 120,000 hectares of wine chateaus, amongst the most prestigious in the world. The Bordeaux region has no less than 57 appellations, thousands of estates, and hundreds of trading houses. That's how in Bordeaux, as I drift off in a quarter, in an architectural detail and along the alleys, I can feel the 2,000 years of shared history which have made this town into one of the not-to-be-missed places as far as global wine production is concerned. To start off this trip, I've planned a meeting on the docks with Yves Simon, one of the keepers of the Bordeaux heritage. He's proposed a discovery of the Garonne River by boat to better understand how the town was urbanized around its wine-growing activity. Hello! Hello. I knew you had a great bike, but I didn't expect this. Yes, it's a beauty. Thanks again. Watch out, I'm dismounting. Okay, so you're going to take me on a little tour? Yep, on the Garonne River. I hope you'll like it, because the Garonne is beautiful. So very beautiful. You've never seen beauty if you've never seen Bordeaux. A little old lady taught me that. It's great to visit Bordeaux because without exaggeration, it's one of the capitals, if not the world capital of wine. And seeing it from a boat, all the building facades along the banks can tell you the whole history of Bordeaux and its wines. Off we go. It's pretty easy to describe Bordeaux in relation to the river. An immense curve, a crescent moon. That's why Bordeaux is called the Port of the Moon. On the south bank, all the buildings have the same height, same style, same slate roofs. On the other bank, it's the Chartrand's district. It may be less impressive, but in terms of architecture, all the houses don't look the same. That's the big difference. The houses aren't that old. They date from the 18th and 19th centuries. These were the homes of the great Bordeaux wine merchants, the wine traders. Look, Luna, the two oldest houses, dating from the 17th century, they're called the Dutch houses. The Dutch brought the sulfur that made it possible to conserve wine in the 18th century, and that's what characterizes Bordeaux wines. There are wines that can keep, that's it, wines that last. I finish off my river escapade trying to imagine how the Chartrand docks must have been full of life up until the last century. If today the activity on the docks has disappeared, it doesn't prevent the wine from having left its undeniable print on the town, so that the town affirms its link with the vineyards at every step, along the streets and on the squares. After a little stroll, I go to the Chateau d'Escas to find Nathalie Escuredo. She's created pedestrian hikes to let people discover the wine routes in the Bordeaux region. She's accompanied by one of her friends from Bordeaux, the caricaturist and painter Mika, who has managed to make a living from his two passions, wine and painting. Hello. 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 You're Natalie? I'm Natalie. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Mika. A glass of wine for our guest, please. Thank you. 
I'm delighted to be here because you have a lot of things to teach me. I have a beautiful trip ahead of me in the Bordeaux region. I'm going to Saint-Emilion, Saint-Estef and the Sauterne area. I'll move around a lot. And I don't know a lot about these areas and their grape varieties, so you're sort of the ideal guide for me. Well, briefly, Bordeaux makes blended wines. That's the main characteristic. That is, there are several grape varieties, and unlike other regions in the world, we focus on blending them. This gives us a wine that is much more complex and interesting. You mentioned Saint-Emilion. It's a good approach since you'll start on the right bank. You'll see that the right bank is very hilly with very, very beautiful landscapes. There's a lot of clay and calcium in the soil which favors Merlot, Merlot and Cabernet Franc, because Merlot needs coolness. Merlot is all roundness and fruitiness. You'll see it's really delicious, with supple tannins. It's a very feminine wine. And then you'll cross the estuary to the left bank, where the soil is gravelly. The soil favors Cabernet Sauvignon. The wines here are very structured, with a lot of tannins, so they are also elegant, yet very, very different wines. A little more very manly, rough, that's right. Like a medoc. Exactly, yeah. like a medoc. You're going to taste very different wines. But that's also part of the richness of Bordeaux. There are 10,000 wine properties. And then, if you go to the Sauterne region, the wines are very feminine, very sweet, what they call sweet Bordeaux. That can be drunk with many things. One always thinks of foie gras, but you'll see it also goes very, very well with blue cheeses. With a few grilled fish, like scallops. That works very well. And with grilled chicken. So you have to be daring in Bordeaux. And you, Mika, you've been daring in an altogether different direction, apparently. Yes, yes. No, I've been a professional cartoonist for 15 years. I saw a French painter in the US who had fun using wine in his watercolors. And it was very successful. I said to myself, I'm going to try to apply this technique. Because as Natalie says, there's no lack of wine around There's even more wine than ink. So the idea was to see if I could adapt painting with wine to my cartoon. Is this the wine you'll use to paint with? Yes, that's right. A young wine with maximum tannin to get the best effect. And do you use the watercolor technique, uh, applying successive coats? Yes, exactly. It's a technique that belongs both to watercolor and wash painting. That is, I use my wine brush with my water brush. With water? With water to thin the wine a bit. Okay. For adding nuance, etc. The next morning I head off for Saint-Emilion, one of the highest appellations of the region. With its 1,400 hectares, I discover an exceptional land where the smallest plot gives the grape its unique and recognizable character. My wine route begins with one of the most prestigious chateaus in the world, the Chateau Cheval Blanc. A privilege when we know that the chateau has been impossible to dethrone from Saint-Emilion wines since 1954. Lourton, its director from an important wine grower family, honors me by giving me a private visit. Hello. Hello, Luna. It's a pleasure to welcome you. It's a pleasure to discover this legendary domain. Cheval Blanc. It's incredible. I'm going to show you around and tell you a little bit about what goes on here. 
Bah, Luna, puisqu'on est ici, Luna, ça serait formidable que vous découvriez ce magnifique wine cellar qui a été construit par Christian Pozampar, architecte inspiré. Comme on dit, on l'a rêvé. Il a fait notre rêve venir. Je vous en prie. Thank you. You're welcome. Luna, je, je vous invite à, à passer du 19e siècle. And now I invite you to step from the 19th century into the 21st. We only have to open this door. Voilà. Here we go. Donc on est dans la, la nef so centrale. Central nave. Yes, it's an egg. Et elle yeah. représente 52 cuves. There are 52 Et vats. Chaque cuve correspond à une each vat corresponds to one plot Donc, tout of Cheval Blanc. Okay. So each plot is vinified separately. I knew that they were cement vats and I thought they would seem cold. In fact, the effect isn't cold at all. On the contrary, they seem like something organic. People are often startled and say, can you imagine making wine in concrete vats? But to me, the concrete vat is one of the best for making great wine. Here's the proof. That's right. Many of the great Bordeaux chateaux use concrete. These are nevertheless quite special. Not only are they beautiful, but also very carefully designed. They're conical, and their interior is temperature controlled. The technical aspect is isn't at all apparent. It's very sensual. In fact, all of this architecture is very sensual. To me, it reflects the great sensuality of the tannin structure in Cheval Blanc. It has a textile, a tactile feel. I often talk about a cashmere tannin, and I think it's the definition of a great wine, because it's an elegance acquired by age. The cellar is a true piece of art with its lightness and technical nature, a sort of luxurious and functional jewelry box. After having visited the barrel cellar, Pierre takes me to the tasting room. The moment has come for me to live what every wine amateur dreams of, tasting a Cheval Blanc. What would you say about this vintage? 2006, a classic year, fresh. Those September days were a bit dry, and the nights were a bit cold. Ideally, the grapes ripened during the day, but conserve their aroma with the cool night air. The grapes should mature very slowly. In 2006, we had those perfect conditions. This vintage is actually a 50-50 mix of Cabernet and Merlot. And so we find the great freshness of the Cabernet, with its slight taste of Cassis, and the Merlot, always very unctuous and round. There's always a duality in Cheval Blanc wines, between the sometimes almost overly ripe Merlot and the perfect maturity of the Cabernet Franc. It's very interesting. Tenez, Luna. Donc, vous voyez la couleur. Now you see the color. You can also see it as you swirl it around. It's characteristic of the sediment that remains. So these tannins are quite rich, very voluptuous. It's really, if you compare it with wines from the limestone plateau of Saint-Emilion, which have a certain dryness, whose tannins are very fresh and elegant, these are more voluptuous. It's the clay and the gravelly soil that adds more color, more depth. And the color also depends 
depends on the acidity. This has a lower acidity, and so the color is deeper, almost black, and the extraction superb. Magic! Slightly smoky, a little toasty, just an elegant hint of oak, but a lot of fruit. Yes. With that touch of ripe cassis. Very ripe. With a spicy side to it and a long finish. It's incredibly smooth. Yes, the word for it is suave. I guess that your winemaker will explain a little of the technical aspects to me. Yes, he'll explain technique, but with very poetic words. Because what we really sell here is a dream, a passion. And technical words don't really apply. Thanks a lot, Pierre. Thank you. Many thanks. When walking off towards the plots surrounding the estate, I still keep in my mouth the delicacy of this wine with such complex aromas, an unforgettable experience. I thought I saw a head sticking out. Hello. Are you Pierre Olivier? Hello. That's right. I'm Luna. Pierre Lurton suggested I see you. Nice to meet you. He told me you were about to do something very special. We're working on the last row. We're trying to determine the best time to harvest the grapes in each plot. So we're trying to define each plot's potential and the best time to begin harvesting. So what about these grapes, for example? Well, it's obvious they're not ready. You can tell in several ways. First, scientifically, which helps us out a little. We analyze the grape. We chemically test all the parameters of each plot to get a precise degree of the ripeness. But the basis for a great wine is obviously the taste. So it's our own palates that decide when the time is right. I see. So the criteria, very simple. We taste the grape and we notice several things. First, the fluidity of the pulp. No fluidity here. It should break away. Exactly. We need to taste much more fluid. And the green seed has to turn hazelnut brown. So right now, okay. this plot isn't ripe at all. I see. Then we check the skins. Red wine is made with grape skins. They determine the color and tannic structure. So by chewing the grapes, we can tell if the skins split apart easily, if the tannins have the right vegetal taste and are... Supple. Right, supple. And that's what will determine the harvest date. Okay. It's particularly important at Cheval, because the great strength of Cheval is the heterogeneity of its plots. We have 39 hectares of vines. That's 45 plots on different types of soil, with different grape varieties and planted at different times. This plot is almost 80 years old, and the plot next to it is 3 years old. So obviously, they are not going to behave in the same way. So our goal is to harvest the grapes at full maturity in each of the 45 plots. So we taste them separately, and here you'll never see one continuous harvest that lasts only three weeks. So each plot has its ideal period. That's right. We harvest a half day, stop three days, and then do two 14-hour days because there are three plots that are ready at the same time. It's harvesting à la carte, and it's not a matter of logistics here. What's the difference between Cabernet Franc and Cabernet Sauvignon? Everybody else plants Cabernet Sauvignon. So what's the advantage of your planting Cabernet Franc here? Cabernet Franc works well at Cheval because it is delicate and has density at the same time. It has a fresh taste with a fairly high acid content. This acidity is fundamental for us because it goes into our making wines that will last. Acidity allows the wine to age well. A great wine is a very old wine that seems very young and not an old 
wine, the taste is very old. So the relative acidity in our wines allows them to last a long time. So interesting. Thanks for having explained all this. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. I've learned a lot more about the terroir. And after tasting this wine, I really wanted to know how it was made. Thanks. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Pierre. Goodbye. See you soon. On the Wine Roads, from a documentary series directed by Eric Michaud with Luna Sands and François Montagu. Sound editing, Agathe Leroux and Guillaume Sulpi. And mixing, Thomas Gabriel. Music by My Music Library. And Angle, the An Interscope Production.